p.m. live on SAFM 104 to 107. Let's remind you about our Monday phone topic today. You can give us a call 0891-104-209. Our number again, 0891-104-209. Our SMSs are sent to us at a cost of two rand to this number, 34701-34701. Or message us on Facebook, SAFM PM Live. It's also our Twitter handle, and uh, of course, we'd love to hear from you today on any of the stories that we're bringing you. But of course, this one in particular, a group of nearly 200 residents had been evicted from their flats at the Newtown Urban Village. It follows a court ruling obtained by the Johannesburg Housing Company. The company bought the building, which had fallen into a state of disrepair during a public auction in 2009. But residents say they were not given notice to vacate the property before upgrades and renovations could begin. Members of the Red Ants surprised them last week, forcing residents out of their homes and scattering their belongings on the streets. Now, residents say they have agreements dating back to 2000, which state that they would rent to buy, and after five years they would receive the title deeds. We even spoke to one of the residents who talked about the harrowing situation of being thrown out on the streets and having school kids returning and seeing their belongings scattered by the red ants along the streets that morning. Our phone topic today, what can be done to help? 891 SMSs to 34701. It's nine minutes after five. Let's go to Egypt now, where at least 42 people have been shot dead near a barracks in Cairo. This is amid ongoing unrest after the ousting of Egypt's president, Mohamed Morsi. The Muslim Brotherhood says its members were staging a pro-Morsi uh, a, a protest at the barracks when they were fired on. Islamists in the Egyptian Sinai Peninsula have carried out multiple attacks targeting the Al-Arish airport and a police station in Rusa, killing an Egyptian soldier and seriously wounding two others. As the violence continues in Egypt, the African Union's Peace and Security Council is also meeting today, meeting today to discuss the situation in the North African country. To tell us more, we have daily news reporter Sarah Abu Bakr, based in Cairo. A very good afternoon to you, Sarah. Thanks for your time. What is the death toll currently? We understand it's, it's risen from 42. Uh, currently, the death toll has increased to 51, and over 400 people got injured in the early morning clashes. The Muslim government is accusing the army of breaking the, the peaceful sit-in by the Republican Guard by force. Uh, the army has just finished its press conference, showing videos uh, where Muslim supporters are attacking the Republican Guard and accusing uh, the aforementioned forces of trying to break into the buildings and killing uh, at least two soldiers. Mm, there's been a call for a judicial committee, an independent judicial committee, which is what Mohammed El Baradai, the, the opposition leaders, call for an independent inquiry into this. Uh, are there any steps being made to to set up that committee? Uh, yes, the presidency, the current interim president uh, Adli Mansour, issued uh, a decree for an independent judicial uh, judicial. Um, Committee to uh, investigate what happened and find out exactly who is uh, in the wrong. Have they set up terms of of, of uh, exactly what the judicial committee would be asked to do? I'm sorry, the line is quite uh, often. Uh, can you see the question? Have Have they set up tasks for the judicial committee? Have they set them an agreement of what they need to do? 
no details yet, but as far as we know, we got confirmation that the current interim president issued a decree for uh, a committee, an independent committee, to investigate what happened early morning. What image is the army getting among the public? The, the Muslim Brotherhood's been denouncing the army chief, calling him a traitor and a murderer. But what is the image of the army among the people? Uh, surprisingly enough, people on the streets uh, that we have talked to are very angry with the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, if anything, the support for the army has increased, which is quite surprising, uh, following such clashes. Uh, people are saying that the Muslim Brotherhood does not want the, uh, the country to stabilize, uh, and people are vehemently demanding a cabinet and a prime minister. He wants civilian cabinet and prime minister. Uh, the thing is, we have the result, we have over 50, uh, men who died early morning, and, uh, accusations are flying between the Muslim Brotherhood and the armed forces. The reports we're getting are very confusing. Uh, each side is accusing the other side of uh, the, over, uh, the use of power and violence. And we have videos uh, showing the Muslim Brotherhood attacking the Republican Guard, and we have videos showing the Republican Guard also attacking the uh, Muslim Brotherhood members uh, or, or the Muslim supporters because we are a mix of uh, Muslim Brotherhood and Salafis. So it's very confusing. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have people who died, over 50 who died, including uh, civilians and soldiers. What's the difficulty in verifying these reports? We've seen amateur video of, of various news agencies that, attempt, that purport clashes between the protesters, the police, and the military. Uh, are there no ways of independently verifying these reports? We're trying to get uh, first-hand uh, testimonies from people who live in the area, and even the testimonies are quite conflicting, because the problem is when did the clash start? Uh, they say at 4 a.m., some say at 4.30, and who initiated the clashes? Uh, we Honestly, there is no way to verify it so far. The army pressure showed different videos, but they do not show how the clashes begin. Same as the Muslim Brotherhood, they showed different people, uh, different bodies actually, which was very gruesome. Uh, but we have no way of knowing how the clashes started until the spring. Maybe later on today we will find out, but right now when I'm speaking to you, we have no, no idea and no way uh, to prove how the clashes started. Sarah, as a journalist on the ground, are there any more protests planned? Yes, we have uh, we have the funerals of the Sudai belonging to the Muslim Brotherhood uh, and Muslim supporters that is starting now. Actually, the funeral is starting now. Uh, I do hope, as a journalist, that no more clashes will happen. However, we are on our toes, waiting uh, to see how it will uh, develop. Sarah Abu Bakr from da the Daily News in Cairo, updating us on the current situation in Egypt. Thanks for your time there, Sarah. It's a quarter past five if you'd like to talk to us.
0891-104-209. SMS is right now, 34701. Comment on any of the stories that we're bringing you today. This is our top one, of course, as we bring you back home now. Metrobus commuters in Johannesburg facing transport woes after over 600 members of the municipal union SAMU downed tools this morning. They're complaining about a number of issues, including an alleged violation by management of a collective agreement and the alleged changing of shifts. Now, SAMU's Fenwell Tikhova says they also want a forensic investigation into alleged corruption at Metrobus. On the line, we have Norma Balani, who is at uh, Gandhi Square. A very good evening to you, Norma. Thanks for joining us. Uh, what is happening there at the moment? Um, the extra um, bus is running, but it seems like the services are um, affected by the fact that they're not as many buses as they should be. I spoke to some commuters who were um, in the line to go to Rotoport, so saying they've been waiting for over an hour. They say within an hour, like, at least six buses should have come through. So they are a bit worried um, about how they're going to go home. Um, a bus just arrived now, and it seems that it's going to be taking more than one route to ensure that passengers do get home tonight. Does it? Can you gauge which commuters would be most affected? Earlier today, we were told Soweto commuters uh, were the hardest hit. Is that still the case this afternoon? Um, it seems also Rotoports has also been hardest hit because in the morning they say they had to wait for um, over an hour for the bus that comes into Johannesburg. But there were buses that were heading um, to the northern suburbs, such as um, Sandton and Sunninghill. So they're saying that they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow morning, and it's going to take them about three taxis um, to get from home to, to the Joburg CBD if there won't be any buses tomorrow. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, Norma. Of course, Sintaco uh, offered the services of uh, taxi drivers to commute uh, the stranded commuters back home. Uh, are those who are normally Metrobus commuters taking up this option to use the taxis? It doesn't seem like that. Um, some are actually hopeful that buses will come. They say that they will wait um, for buses to come because they can't afford to take those taxis. They buy monthly coupons, weekly coupons. So it's going to be a bit of a stretch for them to now um, have to pay for taxis cash. Mm, has there been any more information about when this strike is expected to end? Um, not that I know of. I did go to the Metrobus ticket office where I asked them what is the situation the sales lady said she doesn't know, but she does know that the many buses um, aren't working today because of the strike and that she doesn't have any more information. It also seems that the bus drivers who are working don't know what to do in terms of which routes they should take because he might be assigned to a route that doesn't have any passengers at the moment and there's extra long queues on another route. So it seems as if they are trying to kind of figure out a way, you know, to take the passengers that are here. Nomasango Bolani, thank you very much for joining us, giving us the latest about the Metro bus strike. We will update you if uh, there are more developments on that story before 6 o'clock. But, of course, as we say, Metro bus commuters in Johannesburg and uh, especially in Soweto most affected this afternoon. Transport Minister Ben Martins has unveiled the newly completed multi-million rand Mtata airport runway in the Eastern Cape. The project includes construction of the terminal building and roads leading to the airport. Fundiswa Mkekude reports. Mark 
Martin says about 500 million rand has been set aside for the upgrading of this airport. The runway formed part of phase one of the project. However, the minister says there are other aspects of the project which still need to be completed. He says they want to ensure that the entire project is completed in the next few months. There's been tremendous uh, progress. We are here today to inaugurate the runway, but moving further, there are other aspects of the program project that still has to be completed, the hangars and uh, other infrastructure, the airport itself, to bring it up to speed to be a fully functional airport in terms of international laws, regulations and standards. So what we are seeking to do as the three spheres of government, national, provincial, local, is to ensure that uh, the program project is completed within the next couple of months. The minister added that the upgrading of the airport will assist in local economic development as well as attracting both local and international tourists. I'm 100% sure that it will boost tourism because with the development of the airport, with the development of uh, roads, linkages to the airport and with other developments coming in the town of Mtata, it can only but boost the economy of uh, the region and the province. The facilities that are being provided here are of an international level and status. They should be able to cover any eventuality. Eastern Cape Premier Nokolokivit says the underdevelopment of the former Transkai region makes people feel neglected. She says though it has been a long journey, she is proud the runway has been completed. Actually, I think the most crucial part has been done because the outstanding work that has already been started but needs to be pushed to completion is the terminal building which we are working on together. It was good to hear his uh, commitment uh, to working with us on ensuring that we speed up that project as well. But for me, even if we had finished that, if we did not have the runway, we would still have no effort. The South African National Road Agency Limited, or Sandra, also took part in this project. Sandra CEO Nazir Ali says the project gives substance to cooperative governance in the country. This is an integrated project in terms of transport. We're not only looking at the, at the airport in there, but we're also looking at the roads and the other associated infrastructure with, uh, with transport. On the roadside alone, on routine road maintenance, we spent about 190 million rands over a number of years. And the routine road maintenance gives us an opportunity to develop new entrepreneurs because we do provide the different type of training that they require. Locals have welcomed the development. We commend the work. It puts Mtata on the map. We will see a lot of tourists come here. We are happy. We can see that our airport has been fixed. It is beautiful and it is what we have always wanted it to be. We feel great because we used to struggle when we wanted to go to Johannesburg or East London. Mtata residency ending that report by Fundiswa Mtlekude in our Mtata office. 22 minutes after 5, the case against four suspects in the murder of senior Gauteng police officer Tirani Maswanganyi has been postponed to Friday this week. The prosecution team is awaiting instructions from the Director of Public Prosecutions, Sepo Mosai, Roger Moseki, Ndecheni Nefolo Vonwa and Ndazelo Vele were arrested last week and are facing a charge of murder. The Major General's body was found last month on the R101 near Hamanskral, north of Pretoria, with his feet and hands tied. Moluti Obaseng with more.
Pretoria North District Court was packed to capacity with members of public and media contingent when the four accused appeared briefly in court. The security was also tight. The suspects were arrested separately two weeks ago. The National Prosecuting Authority says the postponement of the case will give investigators more time to complete their work. Spokesperson Midupisi Masiko says it is early to speak about the strength of the case, but he believes investigators are doing a sterling job. You know, talking about the strength of the case will definitely be the defense team alleged that suspects were assaulted during the arrest. They say some have suffered internal injuries and they need medical attention. The defense also says the suspects have complained about the manner in which police questioned them. The court has allowed suspects to consult the doctors. The state has opposed the defense submission regarding the timing of questioning by the police. State prosecutor Lucas Museki said the police should be allowed to do their work. The suspects will appear again in court on Friday for formal bail application. Maluti Obisang in Pretoria with that report approaching 24 minutes after 5. Traffic on SAFM. Unfortunately, we're going to go back to Rob Byrne. Uh, still trying to get him through perhaps the traffic this afternoon. Hopefully, he's not a metro bus commuter because he will be having some difficulties today. They're facing tr- transport problems after over 600 members of SAMU went on strike. But I think Rob Byrne's back. He's managed to catch a bus, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the bus. I think my ISDM might be on strike there. We're striking, thinking about it. Uh, Centurion this afternoon, Roy S. Kral uh, at Bothrell near the mall. Traffic lights down, big delays going through there. Try and take alternative routes and stay off uh, that one. Uh, Johannesburg, the N3 very slow now. Montefontaine down to Van Buren. Looks like some obstruction around Van Buren. The traffic on the R24 and N12 routes uh, coming into that N3 traffic at Galuli's uh, equally badly backed up. Uh, traffic light timing issues, N14 at Hendrick Portgeeter. A 40 minute delay setting down the hill from Moldy's Drift today. Lights out Bayers Nordir at CR Swart. So delays Honeydew Rampark Ridge area around that one as well. Uh, Pretoria, the uh, Eufius Road coming off the N14, heading out towards the industrial side towards Roger Dyson. That's busy. Uh, and Durban, the stationary truck N2 North, middle lane, just after Spaghetti Junction. It's stuck there just by Westwood Mall. It means a delay through Spaghetti, but a bigger delay coming out of Durban. The N3 stuck from the CBD, from the central Durban area, all the way to four level and coming in very slow from the M13 Paradise Valley interchange right through to Spaghetti as well. About a 30 minute delay to get up Fields Hill through Clove towards Hillcrest Stationery Truck causing an obstruction by Maytime Stores and in Cape Town uh, the Epping area is a disaster. Lights out Viking Way at Vanguard Drive. Vanguard Drive obviously slow but Viking Way uh, both ways uh, out of that uh, Epping Industrial area very heavy as well. Queuing traffic to Monte Vista on the N1. Broken down vehicle and a couple of stationary vehicles. Marine Drive at uh, Sunset Beach if you're coming out of uh, Pardon Island Milnerton heading through to Tableview stuck in queuing traffic there as well. Rob Byrne, PM Live, Traffic Watch. Sport on SAFM with Stephen Kirker. Good evening. The Proteus have a bumper summer of cricket lineup this season with India and Australia visiting the country for three match test series. And after it was eliminated from the schedule last year, the Boxing Day test makes a return. Couldn't be a bigger ticket. South Africa versus India at Kingsmead in Durban in the first test of the series, which comes after seven one-day internationals and a pair of T20s. Australia's tour is a shorter one, featuring a warm-up game against an invitation on 11. The three tests and three T20s. 
apart from Kingsmead, the Indian Test matches will be played at Newlands and the Wanderers, while the Australian Test Series features games at Super Sports and Georges and Newlands. Now, in tennis, Andy Murray is still getting used to being Wimbledon champion, but the Scot is being reminded at every turn that he is becoming the first player from Britain to win the Wimbledon since Fred Perry in 1936. It's prompted massive celebrations across the land, but the 26-year-old himself is not getting carried away. You know, understanding, yes, I won Wimbledon. I got that quite soon after the match. When I sat down on my own, I realised it kind of all hit me. I think how big yesterday was in the grand scheme of things, I think that'll take a few days... Um, you know, such a, I don't know, such a big event for British sport, something I'd heard about for a long time. It's, you know, however long it's been, over 70 years since any Brit had won Wimbledon. You know, I think that that part, everything that goes with it, that'll take take a, a little while to sink in. Forced by York Club's entry, FBYC Challenge co-skippered by Andrea Giovanni and Marcus Prolis won the first race of the annual Ola Lipton Cup in Durban today. The regatta, which is sailed in one design L26 yachts, is being held for the 102nd time and is hosted by the Royal Natal Yacht Club, who are the defending champions. No racing was possible yesterday due to a lack of wind, but 18 knots of breeze and a lumpy sea provided ideal conditions for the Cape Town sailors who managed to hold off Lipton Cup legend Greg Davis and the crew of Royal Cape's RMS Harbour Lights. It was only in the latter stages of the three-lap race over the rectangular course that the false bay entry eased into the lead. Having made a conservative start due to the no discard rules, also choosing the wrong end of the line. And Giovannini was pleased to get the win against their perennial rival. In the last couple of years, it's, it's been, it seems to be like us and Greg the whole time, and, and he's got a lot more experience in these boats and, and in his sailing. So it, it feels over the years we've got closer and closer. Greg's got a little bit older and older. Um, but it is, uh, I mean, he's, he's the legend of sailing, so... Um, these conditions suited him as well, and I think both for both were sort of exactly the same. Sometimes we were a little bit quicker, sometimes he was a bit quicker, and um, it felt really good, and he finished second quite close, so I think he'll be happy with that. Richard Stoney was left disappointed at the French Open yesterday, but the South African having to settle for second place behind Graham McDowell, who played a masterful final round to claim his third victory of the year. Now, Sterling had shared the overnight lead with the Northern Irishman and started brightly enough with three birdies, but he slipped back to level par in the end to finish four strokes back. Nonetheless, the performance has helped Sterling soar into the top 50 in the world again. He's up 22 to 34th, just one place behind at Brandon Grace. Louis Hosen holds on to his place in the top 10, but Ernie Els up 2 to 13th, is now SA's number two, overtaking Sean Schweitzel, who's one down to 15th. In soccer, Namibia have booked a quarterfinal clash with Bafana Bafana at the Kasafa Cup today, thanks to a 4-2 victory over the Seychelles. That result means they've secured top spots in Group A. The quarterfinal will be played on Saturday. In hockey news, uh, international players John T. Robinson and Austin Smith are recovering in hospital after contracting dengue fever during the World League semi-final tournament in Malaysia last week. The SA Hockey Association has announced today. It's a rest day at the Tour de France tomorrow. Chris Froome will try and open up a bigger lead over his riders, his rivals for the overall leaders at Yellow Jersey. It's the individual time trial with Froome knowing what to beat when he lines up and also favoured in the time trial. So look for Froome to extend his lead tomorrow. That's where we leave your sport on PM Live for today. PM Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. Your 5.30 news headlines with Gregory Hose.
In your headlines, economists have warned that ESCOM's delay to meet its December deadline to deliver power to the Madhubi grid by the end of the year will cost the country billions of rands. National Taxi Council Suntaco says as taxis are available to transport stranded commuters affected by the metro bus driver strike in the Johannesburg area. And the media is under siege in Egypt as the death toll from today's confrontation between Muslim Brotherhood supporters and the Egyptian military rises to over 50. A full bulletin of local and international news at 6. Traffic on SAFM. Well, heavy pressure around Durban. The stationary truck stuck in the middle lane of the N2 North by Westwood Mall. So queuing traffic through Spaghetti Junction on the turn through towards Umgani Road. N3 is backed up effectively all the way to central Durban to the CBD. That's going outbound. Inbound is stuck at uh, the uh, Paradise Valley M13 interchange. There's also been a collision on that M- uh, the N3 inbound. So you've got the stationary truck and the delays coming in from Pintown on the N2. And then halfway through, you've got an accident at Pavilion. Still very slow through Kloof up towards Hillcrest stationary truck at Maytime stores causing that problem. Uh, Joburg queuing heavy traffic, N3, Modafontaine Road, uh, down to Fun Beer in this afternoon because that's heavy. The N12 and R24 routes coming in a slow. Leaving Cape Town, pressure on Marine Drive, couple of broken down vehicles out by the uh, Sunset Beach turn off just before you get to Sunset Beach, so delays from Pardon Island. And then in Bloemfontein, traffic lights down Nelson Mandela Drive at Furstenberg, just out from the university, and Dan Pinar at Kelner Road. Those traffic lights down in Bloemfontein as well. Rob Byrne, PM Live, Traffic Watch. PM Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Rob, let's take a look at your currencies markets again. The Rand now trading at 10 Rand 18 at market close, 15 Rand 23 to the pound sterling at uh, 13 Rand 9 to the euro. The local units at 9 Rand 29 to the Australian dollar. The greenbacks trading at 100 point, uh, 101 rather point. Japanese yen. The euro's at $1.28, while the Australian dollar's at 0.91 American cents. In Nigeria, one American dollar's trading at 161 naira 45. In Kenya, at 86 shillings 75, and in Botswana at 8 pula 71. In Egypt, the greenback will cost you 7.01 Egyptian pounds. On to the bourses then. European equities climbing back above its long-term moving average today following a late bounce on Wall Street on Friday after strong U.S. jobs data. In London, the FTSE 100 ended stronger, 97 points, 1.5%, 6,472. In Paris, the CAC 40 rose 78 points, 2%, 3,830. And the DAX in Frankfurt gathering 184 points, 2.36%, 7,992. Stocks in the JSE were trading in positive terrain at closing bell. The overall index gaining 625 points, 1.6%, 39,795. Financials rose 395 points, 1.34%, 29,798. Industrials 25 were higher, 747 points, 1.63%, at 46,701. The gold board was up 15 points, 1.34%, 1,184. And top 10 resources index increasing 981 points, 2.37%, 42,479. On the capital market now, the yield on the R157 government bond ending at 6.16%, and the yield on the longer dated R186 government bond trading at 8.11%. Looking at commodities now, platinum trading at $1,353.49, golds at $1,236.06 an ounce, Finally, Brent crude oil trading at $107.78 a barrel. 
But for more now, FNB Securities, John Finbeck, back on the line. John, very good evening. Thanks for your time again. What's happened in the last hour since we spoke to you? Yes, um, yeah, the market, uh, as you mentioned, uh, ended, ended uh, positively for the day. We pushed up a little bit higher, uh, ended up 1.6% for the day uh, on the back of Friday's uh, 2% sell-off. Um, some of the leading stocks, the likes of Hango's, up 3.3%, uh, Aspen also up 3%, and BTI and SAB also uh, up 2.8%, so basically driven by the resource stocks uh, along with uh, the industrials um, today. Um, and then the turnover for the day is about 11.7 billion, uh, which is not too bad. Uh, and a weaker dollar today also helping us out. Yeah, we've um, the rand has recuperated since we last spoke. Um, it's trading at unchanged levels. Uh, what was uh, weaker this morning? Um, it was about 10.40 when I woke up or when I came to the office this morning. Um, at the moment, it's trading at 10.20 against the dollar, uh, 13.12 against the euro, and then also 15.24 against the pound. I guess we can imagine weighing on the rand earlier this morning uh, talks of two possible wildcat strikes at Anglo-American. Yeah, we've seen that. Uh, you know, the unfortunate story of the strikes uh, still continuing in, in uh, you know in the resource sector, mm. which doesn't bode well at all for those uh, you know companies. Well, the sector as a whole has been uh, you know, hampered with with bad news of of late. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, resources in general hasn't been the flavour of the month uh, at all. So it's. Uh, we've seen those stocks uh, picking up the last two or three days, um, you know, and, and gold's been been sold off uh, significantly, um, you know, the last two or three months uh, from that high of 1,900, where it's trading at uh, just over 1,350 or 1,230, I should say, where we, where we are trading today. Mm, let's just quickly look at uh, the U.S. today. Yeah, the U.S. Um, opened um, positively. Um, it's up about 0.6 percent. Uh, basically, uh, from the states, the earnings season is kicking off uh, later today. Uh, Alcoa, uh, one of the platinum producers, uh, is, is kicking off the earnings. Um, basically, we're waiting for some, uh, you know, see for how the economy has recovered uh, over the last two or three months um, since the last. So it's going to be an interesting week in terms of, of reporting, and we might see a bit of volatility with companies either missing or, uh, you know, going. Um, what, what analysts expect in terms of earnings. Um, and then also we're looking, waiting for the, the Fed's minutes of meeting on Wednesday, which is quite a, uh, something that I'm looking forward to in terms of, uh, you know, what Bernanke uh, spoke about uh, last week in terms of if they're going to uh, maybe put a, put a, close the tap on, on QE. Um, and I think everybody's uh, just watching uh, that space. Uh, also watching People's Bank of China, are they also going to close the tap on uh, their easing programs? And then, of course, the unrest in Egypt, how is that going to affect the Brent crude oil price? We'll get more from F&B Securities' Jean van Veek when we speak to him again, of course, 4.30 and 5.30 every day. Market updates if you want more business news. Of course, uh, 6 to 6.30, Hilton Tarrant coming up. Hilton, what's coming up? Hi, Dashon. Well, we get into that announcement by ESCOM that Madupi uh, will be delayed for at least six months. Uh, the uh, utility today announcing that we could see first power sometime from July 2014 onwards. Chris Yelland of EE Publishers, uh, not quite the bearer of bad news, but does bring some uh, interesting perspective to this. Uh, he suggests that it will uh, take at least or around about six months from that point before electricity supply is stable. We'll also get into the spiraling costs of 
the Madupi power station, well over 100 billion uh, expected to have been spent on Madupi by the time it is in commercial service. Walter Ailes of Ailes and Co-Fund Managers in our market commentator weekly slot this evening. Uh, all around the idea of it easy to be being able to think long term when you're managing some of your own money alongside your clients' money. Some thoughts from Walter Ailes. On, uh, on the current uh, state of the market. Also, David Shapiro of Sasson of, uh, will be with us uh, to make sense of another volatile day on the market. So all of this and more to come at 6. The investor vendor is in the process of strengthening relationship with its alumni in different provinces of South Africa and also in Southern African countries like Zimbabwe. All students who have registered whether they completed their programs or not constitute the alumni of Univent. The investor vendor led by the president of Convocation, Mr. Shuman Rabuanzo, will be meeting Univent Houting alumni at Beggars Park Hotel Twane on Saturday the 13th of July 2013 at 18 hours. For more information, please contact Mr. Mashudu Ramaleba at 015-962-8338 or email to Mashudu PM Live on SAFM 104-107 And if you'd like to give us a call 891 104 We take 